0: Car Weekly. My name is Daniel Gardner, but if you are actually on the receiving end of this Zoom meeting, you think I was not that. I'm masquerading as someone else. Uh, and speaking of masquerading, uh, I'm joined this week, excitingly, by uh, Witch Car editor Tim Robson, um, masquerading because he's sporting a very masculine set of facial hairs. There, very nice. Thank you for coming back, sir. Pleasure. Um, and also, you'll be less surprised to uh, hear, but hopefully just as delighted, the voice of uh, Scott Newman. So, oh, well. oh, good. oh dear, <laughs>
1: um,
0: that was my surprise surprise and delight. This lovely, lovely Victorian afternoon. Uh, Robbo, how's the weather up there in New South Wales?
2: I hesitate to say it, mate, but it is. Balmy, it is 21, 22 degrees, sunny, a little bit of a breeze. Yeah, that's enough. (laughs) All right, we're not here to talk about the weather or other
0: pleasantries, we're here to talk about cars, and that's exactly the way we're gonna kick this off. A little bit of news to start with. um, A gentleman in Germany was driving only a few kilometers over the speed limit when he went through a speed camera. Now, normally in Germany, because they've got a sensible fine system out there, he would have got just a small sort of 20 euro-ish fine, because, for small infringement, you only get a little slap on the wrist there, which you really think is a great idea. But he didn't get a little slap on the wrist. He got a fine to the tune of around about $2,630. Why?
1: Why, why? did
0: he? Well, well, who wants to take this? Robbo, why don't you tell us why this guy, for doing only a few k's over the speed limit, when he went through a fixed camera, did he get a, a fine 75 times greater than the norm?
2: Well, I mean, there's, there's many ways to, to term it. I mean, you yeah, commonly... The U.S. might refer to it as flipping the bird, uh, the single digit, you know, unwinding, unwinding the middle finger. You get the gist. He he flipped the bird at the camera as he was driving past it.
1: Wasn't, okay, he in, wasn't he just indicating that he was only doing one kilometer an hour over <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be the argument that i would take to the uh, to the <laughs> straight for sure uh but look it looked like he was in a small german small german town so it's my understanding that the fines from those cameras go directly to the local precinct um so it's my big guess uh that this gentleman is or was uh, in the police vernacular known to police so i wonder if there's some sort of thing going on there where he's uh, I don't know, he's knocked off the, 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 the sergeant's wife or husband or whatever. <laughs> and there, there is something else at play here because that seems quite extraordinary. Right. Okay, well,
0: that's a crucial bit of evidence and a morsel of information in the story. <laughs> um, because to yeah. me, it seems a little bit, a little bit over the top because it's not really
1: hurting anyone, is it? I mean, the Europeans are so, oh, look. in so many ways, the Europeans are so liberal and you know, open-minded and then they do something like this.
2: Look, I reached out to a couple of mates who are in the local constabulary here because I was uh, Dan and I were chatting about it before, and he was outraged that someone couldn't flip the bird at a at a police officer. Um, so a, se- a senior sergeant friend of mine in the uh, uh, the Redfern Command, I think, actually, he's a fairly you know, fairly busy chap. Uh, he reckons offence conduct, like calling that an offence, would be actually a fairly massive stretch. Um, but he did say that if that hand or uh, finger was outside the window of the car. Then the highway patrol blokes would smash them for limb protrude from vehicle. <laughs> so there isn't so you could technically be charged if you were flipping the bird out the out the window of the car because your limb is protruding from the vehicle and that is an offense.
0: Okay. Well he wasn't. It was it was <laughs> safely well within the confines of the BMW X5 cabin. Uh so they can't really argue that. And my other argument with this, why well, I think it's a little bit unfair. Now, obviously, if he's a complete arsehole and he's a bit of a a notorious in the area and people just wanted to sting him for anything, totally fine. But if he was just, you know, someone's having a bit of a bad day and thinks, okay, mate, you think you can have one up on us, a bit of a fun, then I think that's unfair. And it's because of this. So it was a fixed speed camera on the side of the road. So he's not actually putting his finger up at a person. He's putting his middle finger up at a, a system or, you know, society, probably. He's not actually offending anyone in particular. And if you argue that, the person who has to review the pictures is the person who's being offended, then my argument would be, well, you took the picture of him, didn't you? If you didn't want to be offended by criminals, you probably shouldn't be in that job. So I think it was a little bit... little. Daniel, bit
1: speed cameras have feelings too, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, old mate, really should have covered up his number plate with tape or something That's right. before he went speeding through, <laughs> indicating his displeasure with the single digit.
1: I only just oh, saw this to... story just before we started, and it did not get me thinking. I had a, an idea, and it's maybe a silly idea, but it's you know it's a silly podcast, so there we are. Um, <laughs> how about? I'll take that. Okay. You that. know um, how ideally all the speed cameras would be marked, like they do in New South Wales, for instance. There's a big sign coming up saying "Don't," you know, "There's a speed camera coming." So if you get caught, then well, then I have no sympathy for you. If you've gone past three signs and they're marked, it's the problem when they're hiding in the bushes and stuff like that. And, you know, the old thing is, you know, don't speed, don't get caught. Well, yeah, but everybody strays over from now and now, now, now and then, and why should you risk losing your license over that? Um, but anyway, if they are going to hide them, because you're saying, is that, is that fair or not so fair? Well, if they're going to hide them and be sneaky about it, that should be fine. But you, if you find one, you should be able to, to do whatever you want to it. Blow it up, yeah. <laughs> or take a photo of it, or you know, draw a smiley face on it, or whatever. So that should be the game, I reckon. Turned turn into turned into a bit of fun, you know. If they, if they want to hide it, they can get more creative with their hiding spots. But equally, the public's right is if you find one of their sneaky speed cameras, um, you can fill it full of builders' foam and blow it to smithereens.
2: <laughs> I love it. I think that's such a that's a great one? idea.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Good. Hundred percent. Justice and crime should be a game, a system between That's them. Right. And us. I love Life's I love. A game. Um, I'd love to know what our dear listener thinks of this. If you want to get in touch and tell Scott that he's an absolute buffoon and that will never work, um, wishcard.com.au. You can find all our social media. You might be the first. Okay, moving on because that was going nowhere fast. <laughs> they going somewhere stupid fast. Um, on reaching Oh, problems. but but speaking. Oh, here of- we go. Oh God, he's adding to it. Give up.
1: No, no, speaking of hidden cameras,
0: uh, segue. Spike what are we it. talking about now? Oh, yes, yes, brilliant. Sorry, that would have, thank you. I, I'm glad you interrupted there, Scott. There you, All go, right. you, can,
1: you can lead a horse to water, but, you
0: know. <laughs> now it will drink. Um, okay, so speed from speed cameras to spy cameras. Uh, Scott, there's been a, a surge of spy, and if you're watching... If, with the video media right now you see me doing air commas spy pics there's been a, a recent increase in the number that have been released um but why why is it scott that i'm using inverted commas around the word spy
1: well i mean back in the day there was quite good business for various photographers around the world and there still is to some degree of you know selling of snapping um cars well before their due dates and selling them to magazines or papers or outlets um you know various Journalists over the years used to sneak into Lang Lang and uh, Yu Yang's Proving Grounds with all sorts of uh, subterfuge tactics to uh, get these snaps. Um, In more recent times, though, it's become a little bit um, less important as manufacturers increasingly try to own the uh, reveal space. But now there seems to be a bit of a trend of... the, The catalyst for this was Mercedes this week released an official press release with very little information on it. Uh, but a set of picks with the heavily disguised next generation SL. Um, and it's, you know, that's of interest. People want to know about this car. So we sort of report it, but it's like, what are you telling us? You're telling us, you, you know, the, the, the camouflage is such that you can't really take anything away from the, the design of the car. The, the car's still probably a couple of years away. It's no surprise that Mercedes is building it because Mercedes builds the SL. Like anyone can figure that out. Um, it's becoming more prevalent. You know, Mercedes recently did the same thing with the AMG One. They, you know, set of camouflage picks out, and BMW came out and said they're going to build the M3 Touring two years before they're going to build it, just so people, I guess, there's no point in snapping pro, snapping shots of the prototype because everyone knows what it is. So it's just a bit funny that manufacturers now are trying so hard to control the message, I guess, um, and that's what it takes the fun exactly out of it a bit.
0: That, you, I think the, the key to that is the word control, quite rightly, I think, Scott. You know, they're, they're trying to steal the thunder from everyone who would otherwise have it. So, you know, th- with this kind of exercise, they're taking the, the bread and butter away from spy photographers. You know, oh. we're going to get the pictures out there first so that if anyone happened to catch it in, out in the open later, they're they not going to be able to sell them to anyone because they've already been seen. So you're absolutely right. It's all about control. But... It, the of course the flip side is it only works for so long before people start going, well, you know, don't show us nothing. Mm. You've got the ability as Mercedes to show something, something far more substantial than a disguised car that gives nothing away. So I think it will backfire ultimately if they overuse the trick or use it for too long.
2: That's right. Yeah, I agree. It's it's not a new policy either, guys. I can actually remember as a uh, a fledgling editor on Motor magazine back in the I don't know 1800s or whatever it was. I was <laughs> on the title. Um, I used to get uh, and Pictures here's the Ben Hur's that's right. Another carbon <laughs> dating device. I used to get letters in the mail. Um, wow. Where- And I remember distinctly this one. It was like an A3 sized envelope, fairly big. And and inside were these magnificent photos of, a. I think it was something like a Camry Sportivo with a pack or something like that. This car, like it was shot at, like we've got obviously the wonderful Ellen Dewar is our professional photographer. This photo looked like it could have hung in the louvre. It was pin sharp. It was a tracking photo. It was just immaculate of this car that nobody had seen yet. The accompanying letter was, oh, g'day, mate. My name's Doug. Oh, I was just driving down by, just happened to be down near Toyota Australia's head office in Sydney. <laughs> I was just driving around and I just happened to see this this weird looking Camry. So I thought I'd just snap a quick photo and send you a, come on. Is it, that was Toyota's <laughs> PR department sending me a photo, trying to trying to one-up me. And I just sort of sent a note back saying, good try, boys. That was nice, nice work. But yeah, you know, like having it framed in a gilt edge frame, probably a little bit too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, that's the thing. I mean, it's always been kind of a... I mean, back in the days, it used to be spy photography. And then the manufacturers kind of figured out where the spy photographers were and just drove the cars past them at the appropriate times. I mean, there's the someone from Porsche once told me that, like, no one actually takes a photo of one of our cars unless we want them to take a photo of it. Because otherwise, we'll yeah. just test them at the test track or whatever. Um, so. They do that to, but then it's, yeah, it's, it's, and I guess that kind of worked because it still fo- kind of felt fresh. Like they are getting their message out there. They want people to cover this car and get some excitement about it, but there's still a bit of speculation. Them coming out and sort of, I don't know, it just all feels a bit easy now. And like you That's say, like if we're reporting on it now, by the time the SL comes actually comes out, people have heard about this car for two years and it won't feel as fresh. Well, I think we realised when it was getting to a ridiculous situation and point when jaguar
0: started um sending out camouflaged cars using mm. heavy air again and the camouflage consisted of just a, a mass of hashtags so <laughs> like they, they were obviously wanting people to see it and then not only see it and talk about it but search the hashtag as well yeah. so i mean that was the point when it became very blatant and the other problem i have with it is you know you talk you mentioned that amg1 that they that's been recently out in spy shots and camouflage. Well, we've already seen that. Yes. Why are they wrapping it up in camouflage now? And what they do is they're using that as a marketing trick. You see something in, you know, like we know BMW and, and uh, all the manufacturers, I think, use the trick. They'll leave something in camo, even though it's been seen, because mm. it generates interest around the brand. They're like, oh, what was that? You know, you most most facelifts we'd probably miss if they went past us on the road. But yes. if you leave it in camo, obviously that's something new and it generates interest for the brand. So it's all it's all bloody marketing, isn't it? It
2: is. Absolutely, and I've got one little story that you would be interested in, Scott. The um, oh. the drift bus that you've uh, thrashed around on, on various occasions oh, yes. for Hyundai. Uh, I happened to be at a tire a tire launch uh, at a, lo- a small track up here at Marulan, and uh, for whatever, and I I didn't connect the dots, and I feel stupid to this day. But the the video crew that Hyundai Australia uses arbitrarily turned up at this day like after everything had finished so i'm like oh g'day tom and Tom Owen. hey hey guys hey what are you doing here and they kind of looked at me and went oh no we're just kind of here we're just driving past and and doing something and uh yeah <laughs> i'll see you later no and I, I didn't think in anything of it little known to me the drift bus which had not been seen at that point was stashed away in a garage all day at that tire test no <laughs> oh. clue how good of oh, that God. would have, that, that would have been a gen, that would have been a genuine scoop. And I think the look of shock and horror on the Hyundai Australia guys' faces when they saw a raft of journalists doing tyre testing is like, ah, damn it. We're going to have to do this later.
1: Some cheeky PRs do hide things in plain sight though. I mean, you know, which always pays to keep your uh, eyes open at launches because I've heard of a few cases where there's been development prototypes just, you know, among the staff vehicles and if you walk past it with your head in your phone or a thing, you'd never know. But it would only take a cursory blink to go, "Why are there massive brakes on this thing? Or why is there an extra <laughs> yeah. intercooler on this thing? Or you know, why is it got coilovers in it?" So, you know, as journalists, we just need to do a better job and keep our snouts in the trough.
0: I am um, exactly. sure I've uh, regaled the anecdote on which car weekly before, so I'll keep it brief. But. Uh, years ago, I was in uh, in Germany at Audi's one of Audi's factories, and we were being given a factory tour. Um, all the phones had to be surrendered because, obviously, you never know what you're going to see on a on a 24-hour production line. Um, but uh, nonetheless, they they didn't quite plan for one particular thing to sell past at a point before the all-new Audi S8 had even been talked about. <laughs> Two examples just sailed past as we stood there It was like they planned it. But yeah, so it was absolutely, it was in a very late state, uh, stage of production. And so it was fairly complete car. And yeah, it just had the boot badges slapped on it in front of us. <laughs> Oops.
2: <laughs> Oops. That was probably planned as anyway.
1: well. All part of it. It's all a master plan. It's, you know, there's no such thing as accidents or coincidence. Who knows?
0: Like, yeah, who knows? Obviously, we did the uh, the prudent journalist thing and we kept that under our hats, even though it was fairly obvious they we were going to do one. Anyway, um, we haven't just got you here for your good looks, Robbo. Uh, we we want to talk to you about a car you've driven very recently and we're now able to start talking about it. It is, of course, the new Land Rover Defender, a very, very hotly anticipated car. It was uh, rumored for years, it was then teased for a um, protracted amount of time, and you finally got your hands on it. What's it like?
2: Mate and the review up obviously up now on whichcar.com.au and I did lead away with a fairly contentious line that I I couldn't stand the last defender good grief <laughs> that, what an absolute piece of crap that car was like in 1948 it was developed it sort of went to about 84 before they could you know did a, a second generation which was just as boxy and um you know let's say it was very dedicated to its cause of being an off-roader because on the road you have never driven anything as terrible and I, I i can't apologize to anyone who might be listening going you are an absolute heathen robo because it's true um you, know, you could you could literally put on maybe a foot each way of turn before the front wheels would react uh you sat in the cabin and your shoulder sort of came into your chest because you couldn't have there was no room um it was slower than a wet sunday uh it was noisier than a being in a a, a a washing machine full of ball bearings. It was the worst road car. Off so, road, yeah, oh, sure, it was great, but it wasn't that good on the road. It was not a hard act to follow, uh, and you can always and you're always going to level the blind, uh, level the accusation that that Land Rover are going for that sort of heartstrings, the old rose tinted glasses uh, message with the new Defender. Uh, in short, it's actually quite a good thing. Uh, underneath, it's got the, the underpinnings from the Range Rover, Range Rover Sport, uh, Disco Five. So the underpinnings are good. Land Rover knows how to do off-road electronics very well as well. And they've stepped it up again with Defender. So um, I've been lucky enough to do uh, the Gaden test track stuff with, with uh, Land Rover and Range Rover. And they put you through, you know, three meter high puddles and up vertical slopes and and mud that could, you know, drown a cat. Like it, you know, they, it is, you know, it's born in the right place. So we had some, some time in the, in the car up at Lithgow. So climbing up over nice vertical rock walls and through it just, Laughed at it. It just didn't didn't blink. We were on off-road tires at lower pressure, um, so that's that that you know not not cheating as much. But if you're going to do a lot of off-road work, those tires you put on the car. Um, but when I, we did a, about 150 kilometers of road loop all up as well, it turned out to be just quite a good large you know sort of all-wheel drive SUV type wagon vehicle. Tons of room, lots of practicality, uh, pretty simple. Uh, can tow three and a half tons. Um, does all the right things. That we we drove the six cylinder petrol version, which was a, a, a sweet thing. It's a it's turbocharged. It's also got an electric supercharger on that Ingenium engine. So it's two ninety four kilowatts, kilowatts and six fifty newton meters. It's a great engine. It's and in the amount of it power works, in it.
1: heavy a heavy car, like the the thought of a three hundred kilowatt, you know, more or less, give or take three hundred kilowatt Defender. Like it's just it's absurd, isn't it? <laughs> like, it feels like it should have a well. They're the only one nine you-
2: liter diesel or something. <laughs> Well, that's, that's, that, there's an interesting one with that too, um, Scotty, that the diesels are all sold out. It's a weird, you know, given the COVID situation, um, it's a weird situation that the current car is what they're going to call a 2020.5 car. So it's an MY20.5. They're going to launch into twenty MY21 stuff or model year 21 stuff quite quickly. Uh, all the diesels that arrived in Australia, all sold out already. Wow. Um, so you're going to if you want a defender and you don't have one on order my guess is you'll be waiting anywhere 6 9 even 12 months uh, for the one that you really want Gosh. wow
1: so how mate. much is the one with the big engine in it, the one you drove
2: starts at about 95 grand so there's a, it's <laughs> I've, I've been juggling yeah I've been but you look at everything else in, in the space mate it's I've been I was juggling competitor set I was juggling value um you know, look at a Range Rover People just pay them, pay the money no matter what, right? Mm. Like, if you want that car, if you are married to the notion of Defender, if you have a, you know, historical connection from way back, I don't think money will be an issue. If you're looking at it dispassionately, of course, you go buy a, a Land Cruiser or a Prada or something every day of the week. But I can see why someone would want to connect with a Defender. Me, too. I mean,
1: I really like it. And again, like you say, I suppose the top spec one is 95. So presumably, you can get. Obviously, you'd have to wait for it now, but presumably you can get a nice mid-spec diesel for, you know, 80 or 85 or whatever, whatever, um, which would be a, quite a cool little thing. Is it seven-seater?
2: Or only five? Uh, there's an interesting... Yeah, uh, here's, the, here's the thing. You can have five-seater. You can have six-seater with an optional jump seat in the middle front, so you can have three oh. abreast on the front, and then you can have three across in the middle. You can have five plus two, so you can have jump seats in the back you can't have eight seats you can't put the jump seat in the middle of the front and have the and have the the rear pair which is a real bummer i think it must be to do with licensing and and standards (laughs) and stuff like that but you can really mix up the uh uh, really mix it up the only one of the downfalls for me is again jaguar's jaguar land rover the brand's propensity to have a options list that is longer than you know if you rolled it out on a piece of paper it would extend about a meter it's just mental so how much to, money you can t- how many times you can tick a box
1: they were going to get rid of all that i mean they simplified yeah, the XE they, range and yeah
2: but they, they did idea. and there are packs there definitely are packs yeah I, I still it was it took me i don't know a couple of hours just to go through the specs to to it up for wheels it's um it's better yeah i i think they must have taken that idea from from the xe range and put things in various packs but you look at a brand like skoda you look at a brand like volkswagen they Distill it right down, that's what you can have. You you can't, you know, you can't change you know the seat. You can have twelve way, you can have eight-way, you can have eight way with power, you can have twelve way with power invented and heated, you can have the rears heated, but you can't have the front. Like it's oh, it wow. just confuses people. And one of the you one of the things that that I think they struggle with as a brand is that someone goes in and says, I'd like to have that with heated seats, oh sir, but you have to have this, madam, you have to have the other. It just creates a bit of confusion. Um if and again you look at the defender, it's motor operated around it back in the day was the fact that it was so simple mm. so it's yeah and and it'll have you know the base one will have st- the white steel wheels um it'll have a, ch- a you know the cheap diesel engine version will probably be the, the one to get it's, it's actually the same two litre turbocharged diesel but in two specs so in that way it's reasonably simple they're all eight-speed autos they're all four-wheel drive with all the, all the governs underneath um but yeah look on balance yeah they'll sell everyone they bring in to australia for sure um, it is a, f- a big enough step away from the old defender as to be quite different uh, and it doesn't sort of slavishly look back at the past it's got a couple of you know exposed bolts in the cabin and a bit of a, a metal finish across on the passenger side but it's not a if you look at the Wrangler for example from Jeep which is you know very very similar to its to its uh, forebears uh, the defender is actually its own vehicle
1: can you get a 90 so- as well or only the 110.
2: So the ninety will arrive early next year. I'm not oh, concerned. so that's what I reckon. So, yeah, I you can go base
1: one. You just get a base steel wheel ninety. That'd be cool. That'd be a cool bash about car. Is
0: it actually yep. ninety inches and one hundred and ten inches, or is it?
2: Ooh, I think I they're question. a little bit. I think they're a little bit longer. They were. They. I think even even in the last of uh, the old shaped cars, they would actually grown in uh, no, oh, size a little bit. I should have like an umbrage at that. <laughs> And designs. here's another little, here's a weird little factoid for you as well. Australian, early delivered Australian cars, so the 20.5s, uh, weren't able to be supplied with the, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of the press picks with the white uh, steel wheel as standard. Yeah. They ran out They ran out of those wheels. They had to put alloys on them. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think the plants only just opened in, in overseas. So they have uh, one in solar hall. They have one in Hungary, from memory. Um the hungry ones is incredible, huge plant, brand new, all slapped. you know, all shut down immediately with COVID, um, so they're actually behind the eight ball uh, in production-wise. So, Australia, Australian customers grabbed the first few diesels that they could get. Uh, there's some of the P400s—that uh, Ingenium six-six-six-cylinder petrol uh, left to sell in Australia—and uh, we'll hear news about the 20, you know, 2021 stuff quite soon from Land Rover. Very cool. So,
0: the last question I've got on this then is it. I, I totally think they've done the right thing here. There's a lot of people that say, you know, it was the wrong thing to do to go to sort of refinement, and be good on the road. You know, it'll never be as hardcore as the old uh, Defender off road. I, I think those people are wrong. They had to go this way because what Land Rover publicly acknowledged is that the audience for people who want to drive a comfortable four wheel drive on the road is far bigger than that. You know, the little nest of people that actually want to use it in in seriousness off road. For those people, though, who now can't get a Defender that's as hardcore and utilitarian as the old one, what are they going to drive? Will they be happy with the Defender, or are they going to go and buy a Wrangler?
2: Mm, That's an interesting... I would love to put the base Defender uh, with the base Wrangler to see what went on. I think when the 90 comes out with the steel wheels and absolutely simplified, you don't add... I mean, here's one example for a spec weirdness. You can spend $6,500 on a vinyl wrap that's the same color as the paint job. $6,500. <laughs> like Are you kidding protection? me? Exactly. You can b- probably buy 14 Series 1 recs for six and a half. Grand, <laughs> or just buy, um, get a clear app for like $1,000. <laughs> know? Exactly right. So yeah, so there is there's some craziness on that side of it. But to answer your question, Dan, let's wait for that 90 series with the white wheels in the base two litre spec, which will still have decent torque. It'll have good quality cloth seats. It'll still have all the, all the off-road gubbins, uh, not, maybe not as many, it'll be, you know, that lack the rear locking diff and other niceties. Uh, but that platform I think is good enough. Uh, the suspension will be good enough. I think that there will be a market for those, those, hardcore Defender fans that want that real base thing. It's going to be 70 grand thereabouts for, a, for the most entry-level car. So it's still a bit of money, but you know, you're paying, I suppose yeah. so that's probably a premium of what, 20%, 30% over a Wrangler, but you're an Elvis man or you're a Beatles man, right? I think you, you, if you want a Wrangler, you know, you don't really want a Defender. <laughs> one yeah. or the other. Sounds like you. a good comparison
1: well,
0: test though. I
2: was going to say, yeah, it sounds
0: does. like Comparo coming to which car soon. Hey boss. <laughs> You bet. (laughs) All right, well, let's move on then. We're going to talk about something uh, just to finish up. Um, We've been covering a little bit about a a relatively new car brand, or at least it's only sort of come up on my radar relatively recently. And I wonder if you guys share the same sentiments about it. It's called Lucid Motors. um, And if if it's starting to sound a bit familiar when I say it's a Californian-based startup manufacturer of electric vehicles, that are aiming at the mid to large sedan luxury market. You might think I'm talking about Tesla, but I'm not. It's this company, which has come out of, um, its origins were actually in 2007 when it um, kicked off as a battery manufacturer. But along the line, it realized that its batteries and electric vehicle drivetrains were so good that they want to keep them for themselves. And they morphed into this, this company called Lucid Motors. Now, we started to cover them a little bit more at whichcar.com.au because uh, as of the 9th of next month, 9th of September, they're going to officially launch their first car, the Lucid Air. And by all accounts, if they do what they say it can do, it will absolutely destroy the Tesla Model S and it looks like they'll continue on that way when they release subsequent models. So the question talking about this brand is, is it possible to pass Tesla when it's been in the game so long and it has established its evangelical fan base, and it's got you know five, four models out on the market already, um, with certainly more to come. Can you can you beat a, a gar- gargantuan force of Tesla by coming along and doing their game better?
2: Interesting question, mate. Like I think it's um, <laughs> I hear what you're saying about Tesla being in the game for a long time i wonder if there's a bit of tesla fatigue especially at the kind of sedan coupe looking car that uh, that tesla uh, launched with that lucid is offering um so the people who have had a tesla they haven't had that where's the next model s for example uh from from tesla that car's been in it's still a good looking car it's been in market for quite a while uh it's obviously had upgrades over the time but where's that radical new shape where's the almost the cybertruck version of the Model S, whereas that really awesomely cool, you know, jaw-dropping shape of a, of a sedan uh, with mm. those underpinnings. I think there may be, maybe there's time for, maybe it's time for someone to step into that space. I mean, it's yeah, yeah the, 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 Lucid,
1: that. And, the Lucid Air looks, looks it's a fabulous looking thing. Um, and obviously it has, a, I don't know the exact specs, perhaps you can fill me in, Dan, but it's certainly, it's claims uh, in terms of range, power, battery tech, are uh, very, very good. Um, the question is, if you're launching a new car company in 2020 slash 2021, okay, then maybe they're aiming for the American market and Chinese market, which still like sedans, but still, do you, do you launch with a big sedan? Like,
0: Well, that's, a, that's an excellent point. And I, I think probably, as a few manufacturers made the same mistake, when they're planning, the world was a very different place. And the, 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 the surge of SUVs has come about relatively quickly particularly in certain markets um so perhaps they just kind of were caught with their pants down but you're absolutely right like it i mean literally every element of that car you look at it 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 does it better than pretty much any tesla especially the model s which is robo said is so long so um it's got 113 kilowatt hour battery so bigger than the biggest tesla model s battery uh because it's so big it will do 830 kilometers plus so longer than a tesla model s long range it's uh, friction curve vision is 0.21, so at 0.21. Yeah, 0.21. So even lower than the Model S. Must have got no wheels um, on it or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they're doing it. Zero to 100, 2.5 seconds. It's a nine hundred volt system, not four hundred volt system. In fact, the only manufacturer that can come close is Porsche with its on uh, which is an eight hundred volt system, um, and it's seven hundred and thirty-six kilowatts and a thousand newton meters of torque. So literally everywhere you look, it's better. So surely tesla owners and and probably more importantly potential ev owners can't look at this and see how compelling it is and say yeah let's go with the tesla
1: i think you miss you think you underestimate underestimate the cult of tesla <laughs> uh, you know not to uh you know not to be crude but you know tesla could create a battery-powered poop and it would probably sell pretty well at the <laughs> moment um I love
2: of yes, how you clearly didn't think about that analogy at all. Yeah. What exactly would a battery powered poop
1: do, Scott? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh quick. I'm, I don't I'm know. I'm sure you could look at I, yep. I don't
2: want to go down that grab an owl too far. Um Yeah, <laughs> probably best to put a reversing lights on that one. Yeah. Um look there is there to, to answer the question about the the lucid SUV, uh there apparently is one in planning. Uh it's been snapped and papped in various places around california uh, and the fact that they're using that sort of skateboard style uh, mm. underpinnings uh, means that putting a putting a new body on uh, to various things isn't isn't uh, too challenging
1: yeah i mean it's, it's it sounds it's all sounds i mean it's it's a, one of my pet hates though like it's got and you can't really separate it because it's got you know the 2.5 seconds to 100 and a 1, thousand horsepower so like, who cares just i don't know figure out a way you've got all these clever clever scientists figure out a way to Go a quarter of the power, but make it last three times as long. Like I don't know it doesn't work like that with battery. Can't, you know, you get the you get the power and the speed as just as a result of just having a bigger battery. This is how it works. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I don't I think I still there's don't
0: think there's more value to the world by making a forty thousand dollar EV that's got two hundred kilometer range. You know, that's yeah. That's, so much more important but you can't attract i mean i'd, I'd like to be wrong but i don't think you can attack, attract the eyes of the world by making fairly unsensational unremarkable evs you have to come out with a bang and yeah. produce a horsepower luxury vehicle and then people go oh lucid i know them. they also make a boring affordable ev
1: yeah which i'll go and buy the whole halo effect um it's um it's interesting though, because I mean, Tesla's got such a big head start, and obviously the Model Y. I mean, is the Model Y? I swear that was coming out like twelve months ago, but it hasn't appeared yet. Mm. Um, but it's I mean, in that, China, but not not in Australia for sure. Right. Okay. So it's. I mean, that is. That's ironically, Tesla's got so much momentum behind it. You know, the share price and you know, decent sales, and the cars are pretty good. Yet the the true winner, which is a small electrically powered SUV, the so hot right now segment, is the one that's still to come. Like. You'd think think they've Mm. still got that car pushes their ceiling higher than ever before, um, which will probably fund presumably that next Model S, which, you know, with the plaid drivetrain that was seen running around the Nürburgring um, at some point, 2022 or something, who knows. But, um,
2: Mm.
1: I mean, it's weird. You can say that, but for the last 10 years, Tesla has completely disregarded any Rational thinking or notion of common sense, you know, in its share price <laughs> and the way it operates. How can a car, or a company, yep. run for ten years and never make a profit? Like, you have to almost throw every conventional rule out the window. So, I don't know. You know, how do you how do you analyze that then? What will be yeah, the most a tough one, isn't it?
0: For me, I think almost as interesting as the way Lucid Motors will roll out its product portfolio and the way it will be received. I'm fascinated to see if. It's fan base and it's loyal customer following. And you mentioned this earlier, Roy. you know, about the, the, well, sorry, and Scott also. The type of person that loves Tesla is a very interesting personality type. And I'd be really interested to see if Lucid Motors' customer base and loyal following sort of have that same evangelical attitude towards the brand. Mm-hmm. Because that will reveal whether it's just a Tesla thing that Elon Musk is kind of engineering and, and making, or whether it's an EV thing. And I can't wait to mm. see the answer
2: to that. It's a good point. Yeah, I think it's interesting, mate. I, I look at the the brand Rivian uh, as yes. an alternative. I yeah, think that yeah. the I think that they are a, a dynamic uh, opposite to, to the way Tesla goes about it. They've got some great ideas for for trucks and SUVs. Uh, they've bought a proper car factory from Mitsubishi. That was a an absolute knockdown steal. I wrote a story about it on whichcar.com.au. <laughs> it was twenty million dollars for a five hundred million dollar factory that was only a decade old. It was an you know got robots they got you know there was still coffee in the urns like it was an absolute bargain and they're just quietly going along getting massive investment doing the right thing and when their vehicles drop they will be huge and so I whether you wait need for to the one flamethrowers and yes exactly right i think that yeah there's ways and means tesla has his ways and means um yeah and watch this space With them i think it's ninth of the ninth we'll see uh the lucid hit the hit the world airway so i guess we'll know more then won't we
0: can't wait um, and if you uh, if you want to see any evidence that what we're talking about, you know, the kind of attitude of a Tesla follower, then go to witchcar.com.au, click on any story about Tesla and then look at the comments at the bottom. And you will. I mean, <laughs> Robbo, what was that one you wrote recently about um, the Cybertruck?
2: Give me strength. Yeah, so basically uh, Elon was in a, uh, did an interview with the a, a, a leading US uh, news site, Automotive News, uh, and basically confessed that the, the Cybertruck was a, almost a plant. Yeah, it was make the most radically crazy thing. Don't worry about um, doing customer research. Let's just get some publicity on this thing. Yeah, look, it's not going to hit any of the euro standards uh, and it's really an, a US play. It's not a world play. Um, so you read that in any context, that is a truck that's not coming to Australia um i think you know scotty i think you've done some stuff uh, i know the guys at wheels have done some stuff about why that vehicle cannot come to australia in the form it's in mm. fantastic that he's breaking eggs fantastic that he's breaking the mold but equally he's just throwing it out there for shits and giggles just to get the response you know the fact that people are giving him 150 a pop to reserve a car that may not even ever be made just goes to show the power of the cult really yeah. You know, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, and there's nothing wrong with you know with the notion of EVs coming down the track, you know, changing the world. You know, you know we need guys like Musk to break the eggs, to detect, to foot, to push stuff through. But you know, at some point, reality has to kind of you know make an appearance as well.
0: And Tesla fans did not like Robert writing that story. Anyway, look, that's all <laughs> we've got time for. Um, well, like now, what I'm
1: going to go and do right now is go and read some write some comments. <laughs> Excellent.
0: <laughs> whichcar.com.au is the place you can get in touch let us know what you think uh, and if you say anything controversial or funny enough we'll talk about it on next week's show uh until then thank you so much guys great to talk to you great to for you listening in uh my name is daniel garner that's scott new and that's tim robson until next time drive safely Cheerio.